Hello and welcome to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. Winter is definitely here. I know because now working 12 to 14 hours is normal. Um, and my body is saying, no, it's not. <laughs> on my day off, I still have those on occasion. I decided to go skiing. It had snowed for three days in a row. And I'm like, nope, I'm not going up the mountain when it's windy, cold, cloudy. And then it was my day off and the sun came out. I look out the window, everything is beautiful and blue. And I'm thinking, today's the day. Today's the day. It's my first day back to go skiing since the end of the ski season. I gathered all my ski gear. There are four mountains. So the buses in Aspen connect all the mountains for free. You can just use the bus and choose any mountain you want. And the one I like to go to is about like 25 minutes away. But I didn't feel like taking the bus that day. And I thought, no, I'm going to go skiing on Aspen Mountain, which is like three blocks away. Like the gondola's right there. The thing is, the mountain can be intimidating. So I skied on the mountain last year with a ski instructor. It was a date. And I went down Aspen Mountain, and it was fine. There was a point where it funnels, and usually that area is very icy. And I did slip. Like, I fell a couple times in that area, and everyone just races down. And that part is intimidating because that's the only way down. Well, right now it is because not the whole mountain is open yet, but there hasn't been enough snow to have all of it open yet. This is my first day back and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm gonna go on Aspen Mountain because I was too lazy to take the bus. I was like, no, I don't wanna feel like dragging my skis everywhere. I'm just gonna walk a couple blocks. And no, I didn't walk in my ski boots because walking even half a block in your ski boots is too much. So I brought my snow boots with me, like I walked in them, and then I put them in a bag as I'm skiing and keep them with me. Because ski boots are the worst to walk in. And when people are super excited, you know, like today, somebody walked by me in ski boots super fast, and they were super loud. Because you can't walk in them in a normal way. They make my feet tired, so I try to avoid them for the last possible minute. So I walk to Aspen Mountain. I put my ski boots around my shoulder. I change into my ski boots, and then I go up the gondola, which takes about like 20 minutes. But as you're going up, it's so beautiful. So the mountain is there, and it's not crowded, because that's the thing about Aspen. There's just so much ski area that... Even when people say it's crowded, it's so not crowded. Like people are exaggerating. It's just beautiful in the mountains. So this is my first day back skiing. My goal is just, you know, to enjoy myself. I'm not looking for any kind of thrill. Mainly I'm not looking for an injury because I'm still doing physical therapy. My knee is a lot better, but now it's my arm. It's basically, it's coming from my shoulder and it's going down my arm. It's ending in my wrist. I have to have physical therapy basically on my shoulder and be careful how I lift things. It's a whole thing. 
which makes things complicated at work since I have to lift things all the time, all day. So I just look to enjoy myself and I got a ski pass because I got it through work, a bonus, and I want to make the most of it. I go up Aspen Mountain, I enjoy myself, I'm there maybe like two hours and I'm kind of looking around like where are people going down because there's this one area and half of it is kind of blocked off, you know, with like a warning kind of orange flag and I'm looking and I'm like, oh, I guess this is the only way down. When you're up on the mountain and you go down, there are other gondolas, so you don't have to go down all the way. You know, you can kind of go on different ones when you're on the mountain. But I had used this other gondola like five times, and now I'm thinking, okay, I'm tired. I need to go back. But I was dreading going down this funnel, but it's the only way down. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna do this. I gotta do this. This is the only way down. So. I go past this orange flag area and sometimes when you're further away it seems like it's going to be worse than it is. So I pass this flag area and I'm like, oh, okay, it's not so bad yet. I pass it further down and I go further down and then all of a sudden the mountain goes straight down, like straight down. And it kind of like pulls in my stomach, like, it's okay, it's okay. (laughs) You know, and I start talking to myself, like, okay, just go slow, just go slow. Um, (laughs) Like, I enjoy skiing. I would probably just hike if I could, but I can't, you know? Like, I'm kind of forced to go skiing. And I enjoy it, but I don't want to do it, like, every day. Because some people, they do it every day. You know, I don't need to do that. But... You know, maybe a couple times a week is fine. So I start going down. And there's people, like, going by me super fast. And they're just going straight down. And and this is super, super steep. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't I don't need to do that. I don't want to do what they're doing. Um, you know, like, I mean, and, and you see all kinds of people on the slopes, especially here. Because everyone is so athletic. And people that live here, they love it here. You know, you're either here for a couple years because of work, but then you're like, okay, I need like something other than a Gucci store. Or you're here for life. It's either like a couple years or forever. (laughs) And the people that are here forever, you know, they have all kinds of injuries because they're just super, super athletic. But somehow, on when they're on the slopes, they forget all those other injuries, and they're just super fit on skis. But they're like whizzing by me, and I'm like, it's fine, it's okay. I don't need to prove anything, you know, to anybody. <laughs> I just don't want to die. So I start, you know, doing like curves, and I go down like steadily. And it's fine. And it does tend to get a bit icy. It's not crazy because it had been snowing the last three days. So it wasn't so bad. And there's this one area where the funnel happens, where I'm talking about. And last year, three people died in that area because 
there's a black diamond meeting with that area going down and people are just going super fast so sometimes there are bad collisions and people die like there's a reason I get worried you know because every year there are people that break something that I work with and I'm thinking oh my god like <laughs> I don't want that to happen you know like skiing is dangerous yes it is I mean any sport can be but Sometimes skiing is just unpredictable, you know, and and like me, I can't choose where I go down. You have to go down this one area. So everyone has to go down this area and then bad things can happen, you know. So I'm going down steadily, but then other areas that I would normally go down were just not open yet. Make it down to the bottom and I'm thinking, okay, I did it. Like I did it. I skied for two hours, I'm happy, it was fine, and then I can walk home. You know, that's the nice thing, is it's right outside my door. I mean, I've never been in a situation like that. Yes, I would ski a lot as a child, you know, with my whole family in Switzerland, Austria, and we'd stay in a hotel, but it was always a trek. You know, you're never just a couple blocks away because usually you'd have to drive and get to a higher elevation. And then you take the gondola up. You know, it's it's a thing. But here, it's like, it's right there, which is pretty amazing. I mean, I've never experienced it like that. And I live right downtown. Um, is my apartment great? No. <laughs> but it's right downtown. So everyone's like, oh, well, you can't complain. I'm like, um, okay, I mean... You know, I like to cook. I'm a chef and I have the smallest kitchen in the whole complex. Okay, it's fine. I'm not complaining. Um, but my point is nothing happened. I realized that, like, I skied maybe 20 plus times last year, like last season. From the beginning to when I first started till the end, I improved a lot. You know, I just gained more confidence, better techniques. I started and I was happy with where I was at. Last year really did make a big difference. So I started off a lot stronger. But now all four mountains are open because when I skied last, only two were. But now I can use all of them. That's what I'm going to do on my next day off. So if you listen to my other episode... This is like a few episodes back where I gained the dual citizenship for Germany. When I went to Denver to get my paperwork, I gave the honorary consul some pastries. You know, in case something didn't work out, then I'm thinking, yeah, the pastries are definitely going to make everything work out. <laughs> and the consul was super happy, and he said... Call me in December because the German consulate sponsors the German Christmas market, the Christkindermarkt in Denver. So he said, you know, contact me. He gave me his card and then I'll get you some drink tickets. So I thought, okay. And then December hit and I contacted him and I said, remember when you offered those drink tickets? Well, I'm contacting you now. So he did. He sent me with FedEx the drink tickets so now I have to find a way to drive like four hours to Denver for this Christmas market. But I love Christmas markets. This was always the thing in Germany. 
I mean, it is always a thing in Germany. You know, every Christmas it was a thing in Switzerland, like all kind of German-speaking countries. They love Christmas markets. And I love it, too. I mean, I speak German. Maybe that, <laughs> you know, I just grew up with it. Like, as a kid, we'd, we'd get our Glühwein, which is our spiced mold wine. You just walk through all the stands. There would be all this food, cute little Christmas gifts. It was just a tradition. So I'm interested to see what this one is like. I mean, I don't know what to expect. Will it be like the ones in Europe? I don't know. As I've been saying, work has been pretty crazy. I mean, I have an awesome pastry team. They're very good. Some things, you know, I do have to check up on and make sure everything's going to plan and everything's turning out right and things are consistent, you know, and that's always a big problem is consistency. Overall, my team is great. Like, I have no complaints. And we opened end of October, and every week there's been another thing added on. You know, you open up, you've got, like, a la carte breakfast, and then the next week you might start with the breakfast buffet, and then the next week you're serving pastries, like, in the lobby, and then the next week, you know, like, every week there is another thing added on. And you feel it, you know, because on top of that, there are events. So tomorrow there's an event for like 480 people. And at the same time, there's a wedding for 104 people. My team and I, we have to plate for all of these events. So we have to start at, I don't know, like 1 p.m. for the wedding. And then right after that for the other event, which will probably take about three hours plate for almost 500 people and I have like three to four people so hopefully it'll go fast but I'm serving a chocolate mousse which I'm going to pipe onto the plate with cherry compote there is like a spiced cream cheese which I'm going to put like little dollops there's an amarena cherry which is like a brandy soaked cherry and like chocolate fouilletine which we made with praline paste Fouilletine, which are, it's basically crepe batter, and you make it crispy, you know, so you can cook it on a flat top, and it becomes crispy crepes. But you can buy it, and it's called fouilletine, and you can mix it in with chocolate and praline paste, and it has a nice crunch to it. But it also tastes like chocolate. So that's what we're going to put in on top, you know, of the chocolate mousse. It sounds good, so I'll see how the whole thing comes together. Because then every person on my team, they're going to have one component and just do that one component for like three hours, <laughs> you know? And the biggest issue is space. We keep having all these additional events and like just new menus, like one thing added on top of the other. And on top of that, we had to make like mini gingerbread houses for kids. We had to make cookies for kids to decorate. I had to make a giant gingerbread house, which we finally completed today, which is a mini version of the hotel. But it's not mini. Like, it's pretty big. But I'm so relieved that we finished it today. Because then next week is the snow polo where, you know, we watch... Well, I don't watch, but everyone watches a polo match happen in snow. And then I have to serve this year it's mini churros with all these different sauces and dips. And I think crepe. There's like mini crepes happening too. So it's just like 
one thing after the other, and it doesn't feel like Christmas at all. Like, everyone else is super happy, and there's pretty Christmas trees around. There's no holiday happening for me, um, <laughs> you know, until January. But the thing is, the fine dining restaurant opened up, and the executive chef created the whole menu. And I think I mentioned this like a couple episodes ago, how he just decided the desserts. I'm like, okay, I got a creme brulee in. That's like the one thing I got in. But then he asked me, do we need to serve an ice cream with it? I said, no, like it's a custard, very creamy. I mean, creme brulee, it's just cream. You don't add milk, you know, it's delicious, but it's creamy. Like, why do you want to add on ice cream, which is also a custard, a frozen version of creme brulee? So I said, no, you don't need it. Next thing I know, he doesn't tell me. I happen to look on my emails and see if there's anything regarding the menu, just in case I've missed something, because that's how everyone communicates is through email. Even if you're in the same department and they may have changed something, do they talk to you in person? No, they're just going to send you an email. Meanwhile, I just talk to you. You can tell me if there's changes. No, (laughs) you're just going to email it, you know, and not even necessarily email it to me. So I found it and guess what was added on? Not an ice cream, but like a frozen yogurt, a lime frozen yogurt. And I happened to see it the morning of the tasting. So I'm like, okay, great. Now I have to make that and make sure it's frozen by the time the tasting happens, which was like in the afternoon. But I'm like, of course, of course he changed it. And if I didn't have it ready, he'd be like, I emailed it. Why didn't you check? I'm like, I'm always in the kitchen. I'm always prepping something. When am I in the office? Like, you know, when am I even checking all my emails like that? Like, I'm not. (laughs) So anyway, I saw it. There's three desserts. I just like to know what I have to prep for. I mean, that's a reasonable request, right? The three desserts I have is a chocolate fondant, which is kind of like a chocolate souffle, but it doesn't sink like a souffle. It's not as sensitive. You know, you put whole eggs in there, you whip them with the sugar till it's double size and volume and very pale. And then you fold in the chocolate and then you add like a little bit of flour and it just gives it like stability. It's more stable. It's basically like a lava cake, you know, so you bake it on high, but you don't want it to bake through all the way. You want it to like ooze out some of the batter. And then that was served with vanilla ice cream. Okay, fine. Next, there's the apple confit, which I was talking about, I think, a couple episodes ago. It's So this is what I ended up doing. I got a 200 pan, which is not just like a, a, like a loaf pan. It's It's got a lot more space, so I can do more at once. It's 12 layers of Granny Smith apples that are sliced very thin. And luckily... Now I have this apple slicer attachment, which you put onto the KitchenAid and it slices just these strips and it's so, so much more helpful. I wanted to do it because it was so much more fun, (laughs) you know? So it's like you put on a layer of apple on the bottom, then you sprinkle this honeycomb dust, which you make honeycomb candy and then you put it in the RoboCoop. Oh, and first you brush on clarified butter. And then you repeat this, you know, for 12 layers. And then you cover it with foil, like two layers of foil, and you bake it 
for four hours. Yes, four hours. Like, I don't have this kind of time to not put anything else in my oven. Like, sometimes I have to interrupt the process because it's a lower temp. And I'm just like, baking something for four hours is horrible. Like, it's the worst because I have so many other things I have to do. Okay, so the tasting is happening. You know, the chef tells me it's going to happen. Like, desserts are going to happen around like 2.30 or something like that. And I'm thinking, no, probably not. You know, because the tasting is for servers so that they can taste everything. And any questions they have, like they've seen the food, they can recommend it. I'm thinking, no, it's never going to be the time, they say, because to show everything does not go quickly. Because there's so many questions that servers have or that you want to talk about. It ends up being like an hour later. Oh, and also the apple confit. I was stuck on the four-hour thing. But it's served with, and he wants two frozen components, green apple sorbet, and then also cardamom ice cream, a raisin compote, which like, you know, basically pureed raisins, but you cook them. And julienned green apples on top with a few sprigs of mint, like a few leaves of mint. So this apple confit has given me so many headaches because also once you've baked it, you cool it and then you cut it. And the thing is, it also oxidizes. So you can't keep it, you know, for huge amounts of time because the color will fade and it won't be as pretty. So it's just this big hassle. But I'm like, okay, I plated it. And he told me, like the chef came in and he showed me exactly, like he brought me the plates he wanted plated on. And then he showed me exactly where he wants the components to be. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I mean, you know, I've been doing this a while. Like I think I can plate something but I don't think he thinks I can. I mean, he's, this is like his thing. So I'm like, okay, like I, I draw it all down. So I get everything the way he described it to me. And, and then I do it the way he's saying, but then he comes back and he's like, no, like do this, do that. You know, so he's changing stuff all the time. And I'm like, okay. So finally, I'm like, okay, let me taste this. Because this is his favorite dessert, this apple confit with these components. Like, every place he works, he has to have this dessert. And it's such a pain, you know? So I tried it. I'm like, what is so good about this dessert? All the components together actually tasted very good. It tasted exactly like an apple strudel. <laughs> like, you have all these components in an apple strudel. You have raisins, you have apples, you know, you've got the vanilla ice cream, you've got the spice, like in with the raisins. The only thing that you don't have on this apple confit dish is the actual pastry around it, the filo pastry. But everything else tasted exactly like apple strudel. It came back to German dessert. (laughs) And it actually tasted very good. You know, the cardamom is very floral, It brings out the freshness of the green apple. And I ordered all this green apple puree because we made the sorbet, we mixed the puree, 
with simple syrup. When you make sorbet, you always have to go a lot sweeter because once it's frozen, the sweetness goes away. And if you don't add enough simple syrup, it'll become icy. But if you add too much, it won't freeze. So you have to find like the right balance. So we made all these components and it ended up tasting really good. The servers tasted it. They, you know, they seemed to like it. Like yesterday was the first day of the dinner service and they've got all these beautiful plates for it, like the fanciest plates that we're using. But then, you know, one of my assistants, like he makes awesome bread, so he made all the baguettes. So every table gets a fresh baguette. We heat it up, we cut it in half, and the chef wanted us to roll it in a napkin. I'm like, okay. And then he puts this big sprig of thyme on top of it which is a little bit awkward. I mean, I guess it looks nice because it's like fresh, but he used up all the time. Like now we're out of time because he's just bundling it up and it's like big bundles and it's just on top of the bread. I don't know, I think that's random to me. So anyway, they were just so obsessed about this whole bread service. I'm like, okay, it's fine. And then nobody ordered dessert because there are only four tables. Like there was just this huge to-do about having a few tables like the chef put like a tablecloth you know onto where they were plating so this reminds me a lot of working at Bouchon they did the same thing they put a fresh tablecloth onto the table on the line so that everything is quiet you don't hear the plates you don't hear the clanking and all you're supposed to hear is the chef saying of what to fire it's just this intense environment. You know, everyone is quiet. Everyone's firing what they need to fire. But then if something isn't going according to plan, if something gets messed up, you know, it's, it's like an orchestra. Then the chef freaks out, <laughs> you know, and plates have been thrown a couple of times. That's always a thing is like throwing plates. You want everything to be quiet, but then your way of getting mad is throwing plates. Like, how is that helpful, first of all? And plates are so expensive. Like, <laughs> jeez. You know, like, they're not just plain plates. So, yeah, here, you know, he wasn't yelling. The chef here wasn't yelling. He was just wanting to put everything on the tablecloth. It just reminded me of Bouchon. Anyway, he keeps coming back and checking on pastry. And then the sous chef, like, there was another sous chef. And he left, you know, and he gave me a lot of headaches throughout like the year and a half I was here and he'd often power trip especially on my days off and like rearrange the pastry kitchen and I come back and I'm like what just happened like sometimes we'd have full-on arguments like in the kitchen he didn't like that I would talk back to him but I don't know he just was trying to like he wanted me to get upset I don't know I don't know the reason or he just thought he was being helpful but everything he was doing was not helpful but the thing is, now that chef is gone, and I'm like, oh, great, he's gone, you know, good. But now the next sous chef is like spreading his wings, you know, and it's like, it's fine, but just don't go into pastry. Don't spread your wings into pastry. Like the other day, he came coming in and just goes straight into the pastry freezer. And I'm standing right there, like, when you come in, just tell me what you need. I'll get it for you. Meanwhile, he doesn't even ask. He just goes straight in and just stands there looking. 
And I have a million things in the freezer. <laughs> like, first of all, my freezer is too small. All the events that we take care of, like we take care of so many things throughout the day that everything has to fit in this freezer and walk in. And it's crazy. Like when I'm in there, I feel claustrophobic because there's just so many things and there's no space. You know, everything is side by side by side because these are all the things that we need. And he's just standing in there looking around. I see him go straight into the freezer and I'm standing there and I'm like, no, hell no. Like nobody just walks into the freezer like that, especially if you're not in pastry. So I, I'm like talking to an assistant as he's walking in. I'm like, hold on. And I go in to the freezer. I'm like, what do you need? And he's like, oh, I needed the mold for butter. I'm like, okay, well, it's not in here. And I feel like that was like a lame excuse. Like he was looking for something. I don't know. But he didn't he didn't tell me. So I gave him the mold. And then he'll just take, you know, if there's a cookie, he'll just grab it. I don't know where this like power tripping comes in, but every chef is the same. I swear. Like, first of all, it's all male chefs. Truly. At least some ask, you know, and then some are just like, no, this is my kitchen. I can take whatever I want. And then they don't ask. But what is it about chefs that it's like such attitude? It's just such attitude. I just don't want to deal with chefs anymore. And then the other day, (laughs) the executive chef comes in and he's testing something with puff pastry. You know, and he's using my oven for it. Meanwhile, they have like three ovens. Why do they have to go use mine? I don't know. So he's asking me, should I bake this for 10 minutes? I'm like, yeah, let's, you know, start off with 10 minutes. It's fine. At like 400. He goes, he sets it for 10 minutes. And then one of my assistants is like, did he just set the oven for 10 hours? <laughs> and we started laughing because I turn around. I'm like, oh my God, it's set for 10 hours. You know, because I have a good team and I give them tasks. I tell them what they need to do. And the more they do, you know, I'm like managing, right? So I still do things in the kitchen, but definitely not to the extent that I used to. I mean, I would memorize recipes because I would make them so much. But now I don't, not to the extent of what I did. You know, I have to go to meetings. I have to plan. I have to order. There's just so many other things that take up time. I have to, you know, put in invoices and, and all this stuff. So... The more of that stuff you do, the less in touch you kind of are with the recipes. And, you know, I know how to make them all, but I haven't made them in a while because my staff is making them. And that's the thing, you know, like you become kind of out of touch with maybe kitchen equipment. I mean, and maybe that's what's happening with the chef, you know, like he doesn't really bake anything anymore like he definitely doesn't bake anything anymore (laughs) and then you like lose touch how to use the oven I guess like because the timer's right there but you're going to 10 hours I don't know (laughs) it's to get to 10 hours you have to scroll a lot if I'm thinking that's 10 minutes and I'm scrolling that long that's weird like that's not an efficient oven you know, like, so, so I change it 10 minutes and then they test, like the chef comes in and he wants to test another puff pastry item. And again, 
he's moving it to 10 hours and my assistant is looking at me like it's 10 hours like again <laughs> so I turn around I'm like chef you want 10 minutes I'm like because that's that's 10 hours and then he's like oh you're right I'm like yeah <laughs> I mean I didn't say that you know but it's almost like I embarrassed him so he kind of gave me this look do you want to keep it in there for 10 hours like I don't know but now we joke about it, you know, like, remember when he set the oven to 10 hours? Like, that's, like, that's a joke now. But overall, the food looks very good. It looks very fresh. The components work well together. You know, it's just weird because he loves doing custard with custard and just frozen items with custard. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, let me just do this. It's just three desserts. I'm just trying to get through the season, you know, and I'm just overwhelmed with all of these events like I had to buy 10 boxes of dinner rolls for you know these 600 people because you assume okay everyone kind of eats a roll and a half so you have to get enough rolls but I have no space to put them anywhere so I put them out of the boxes and I'm just like stacking them on the table so there's this huge mound of dinner rolls. You know, I can't put them anywhere. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, last week I watched this movie, the chef movie, on Netflix, and it's called Hunger. These chef movies are so psycho. <laughs> like, but that's how chefs are. You know, like, the thing is, and I was wondering, I'm a chef, right? I'm a pastry chef. Am I, like, crazy? <laughs> I don't know because I'm seeing all these other chefs I'm like what is wrong with them like why like why do they have to feel like you know they need to dominate me or something you know I'm thinking they're kind of crazy because to be in this industry I think you have to be a little bit crazy and clearly I'm just sitting here on this podcast talking for hours so does that make me crazy because I'm talking about <laughs> like my life to nobody, to uh, this microphone. To be in this industry and do this job day in and day out is exhausting. It's super tiring. I don't think that I'm doing what I originally set out wanting to do, you know, which is be creative and feed people my creations, my ideas, and that gives me joy. You know, like now it's just, now I just feel like a machine. Okay, I just have to like put these things out. You know, there's, there's no connection to the guest and you're just constantly just churning. And yeah, and I guess maybe I do have to be a little bit crazy to do this job, you know, just to, to stand on my feet for 12, 14 hours minimum. Like the sous chef, he worked 16 hours he worked two 16-hour days. He worked 32 hours in two days. I mean, what? You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's awful. <laughs> that's not okay. Like, this is why I need physical therapy. Because I'm constantly lifting heavy things. I'm constantly standing all day. And I'm getting older. <laughs> like, I'm not supposed to be working <laughs> harder physically, right? So, yeah, it's just, I feel like it's just such a self-sabotaging industry especially the hotel hotel industry is just a cog like you just get 
people in and they do this for a few years and then that's it. Because there's only so much you can do it. Because it'll make you insane. It'll make you insane of what is demanded. If I see a chef and he's there for 16 hours and then I'm leaving after 10 hours and that's already like longer than I should be there technically, right? I get paid for eight hour days, but already I'm there longer. And then this chef works for 16 hours and I'm like, should I feel bad for leaving? You know, because then all the chefs are there and they're all working these crazy amounts. And I'm like, no, like I don't want this for myself. I don't want this kind of a life. I could be there a lot longer, but it's just like so tiring. I get in and it's dark and I leave when it's dark especially now in the winter. It's just depressing. So anyway, <laughs> this is just the beginning and I have three more weeks, but in three weeks, I am visiting Gabriel in San Diego. So that's something to look forward to because when he visited me in Aspen in like five days, it was awesome and we had a great time which is kind of crazy, right? Like you just hang out for the short amount of time, but we talk every day and it's positive. You know, like I feel like I've gone on so many dates with all these other people and I don't know, there's just a better connection. And yes, it happens to be further away once again, but the point is it's going well and I'm excited to visit San Diego. I just gotta make it through these next few weeks because also there's a Christmas Eve plated dinner. There's a Christmas Day dinner. And then there's a, a New Year's Eve dinner, a New Year's Day brunch. Like there's just so much, like so many events. And I'm kind of getting them all mixed up because I have to prep for all of them pretty much at the same time. 200 of each because there's two seatings. But it's so crazy because I have no place to put any of these items that I have to make. I just made these white chocolate mousse igloos. I got this mold, it's an igloo mold, and I want to use it for a plated dessert. So I want to do this igloo on a plate with a little path, and it has a, a cinnamon creme anglaise. I think it's cinnamon or cardamom. And I want to do these little cranberry gelées on the side, like a little wall. I want to put a snowman, a marzipan snowman on the path and some cranberry compote on the sides too and put little like rosemary pieces in there. So it's a cute little Christmas dinner dessert with cranberry, cardamom and white chocolate mousse. But I'm excited about the plate up of it. I was listening to the beginning of this podcast I realized my voice sounded so robotic, maybe a little <laughs> less life within me. Because I looked in the mirror the other day after working four 12-hour shifts, some 14 hours in there, because every night we had an event and I just plated a dessert for 175 people. And I looked at the banquet chef, I told him, I was like, wow, you look terrible. He's like, yeah, like he just nodded his head. And then I went home and I looked in the mirror and I looked terrible too. Like my eyes were super red. I mean, this, this is not good, right? Like this can't be good. 
Oh, and get this, something else that happened. We were doing the plate up for the like 500 and we brought all the desserts down. We put them all on tables so that the servers can grab them quickly. And as we're waiting, they're plating up the dinner and the hotel manager and the second in charge of the hotel, they both had chef coats on with their name on it. Like at first I thought, oh, maybe it's just like a borrowed chef coat, but they had a chef coat ordered for themselves with their name on it. And it said like hotel manager, like general manager and the chefs, like we looked at each other and we're like, what is going on? Like, cause the thing is, right? You don't just buy a chef coat and wear it. Like that is so disrespectful to chefs. Like I get, okay, you have normal clothes on underneath and you don't want them to get splashed or anything. But I mean, just wear an apron. I just feel like maybe if it's a generic coat, you know, like a, just like a white chef coat. Okay, maybe. But to just to have a chef coat made for you, if you're not a chef, it's as if being a chef means nothing. I don't know. I feel like chefs take this the wrong way. And rightfully so. Because to be in the kitchen, to get where you are, it takes so much like blood, sweat, and tears, literally. <laughs> and then just for the general manager to buy themselves a chef coat and just put on it general manager, I don't know. Maybe you can do that if you're the general manager, but it doesn't seem right, you know? So we were all like, oh my God, I can't, I can't believe they got their own chef coat. And then the general manager was plating the food. It was being plated in like a playful way, kind of a disrespectful way. It's almost just like you don't understand the amount of time that went into making everything. The thing is, when we do plate ups for like 500 people or whatever banquet event, we don't have enough people in the kitchen to help with plate ups. So we ask other departments to come help plate up. But the thing is, as a hotel manager, you have to set an example, right? You have to set a good example. But then the way you treat the food or the way you plate up, it's almost like you're making a joke of what we do. We put so much time and effort into preparing all this food and then have it set up and organized and planned in a way that it runs seamlessly. But then the hotel manager plates it and like laughs at the way it was plated. It's not funny. So the banquet chef was super upset and just angry because it's just disrespectful to our jobs, you know? So my point is, if you're ever asked to plate up, don't play with the food. <laughs> you know, just plate it and move to the next plate. There's 500 plates, like there's no time to play. I went to the pool today. I went later, because it's my day off, and it was just me in the pool. I had the whole pool to myself, it was lovely. I went and floated in some bubbles later on in like the kids area. <laughs> there were no kids, so it's fine. You know, just me floating in bubbles. And then I went into the hot tub and floated around in there. And then I went to the steam room and I walked in and there was a guy, but whatever, I'm just doing my own thing. He starts talking to me. I don't see him because there's steam. But he's like, it's good to see you again. You know, I, I haven't been around, but I see you're still coming here. And I'm thinking, 
what the hell? <laughs> like, who is this guy? I can't see him. And I say, have we met? <laughs> because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who says something like that? And I can't even see you. He's like, well, you can't see me right now because of the steam. But I'm a lifeguard here. And I was out of town to learn to be a pilot. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> but it was just, it was so random. You know, and I thought it was funny. I feel like anybody could say anything in the steam room, you know, and you can't see anybody. You're just like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but I feel like I have a bit more life energy right now just because I had a couple of days off. But then tomorrow it goes back, you know, to the second half of the week. And then that's when I plate the apple confit for like 100 people. And then I have snow polo. So fingers crossed, of course I'll make it. I just need a few days afterwards to get some more life force. But my brother, he sent me, it's like called Aronia berry juice. And see, that's the thing. Like my family knows I'm just working. So they send me these special elixir type things. So this Aronia berry, it contains resveratrol, which, which is good for anti-aging. And I'm looking at this bottle. I'm thinking, how am I supposed to feel about this? Like, I'll drink it for sure. <laughs> but I'm like, this is terrible, you know, because I do see some gray hair sprouting and I see a couple more wrinkles. So I'm like, yeah, I'll definitely drink this juice. But this hotel is not helping. I went and I got a massage. I found this Chinese massage parlor in town, which I'm super happy about because in Aspen, a regular one hour massage minimum is like $225. I don't have that kind of money. Come on. I thought 120 was a lot. I found this you know, masseuse and for an hour, she's 80 and for 90 minutes, she's 120, which is a deal in town, you know? So I went to her and she didn't speak English. So at first I was like, am I in the right place? And she like, didn't respond. I'm like, okay, I hope I'm in the right place. Um, <laughs> because what if I'm laying down with this masseuse? Meanwhile, another masseuse is waiting for me. I mean, I don't know. I did go to the address as said, but what if it wasn't the right suite? Anyway, these are things that I overthink about. It was the right masseuse, so I'm good. She worked on me an hour and a half. It didn't feel like it at all, but she had so much strength and I have bruises today. You know, I had extreme shoulder pain, which was radiating down my right arm, apparently super tight hips and upper thigh pain. And she used her elbows and forearms on all of it. And I have bruises today, but I feel great. So I don't care about the bruises. I'm like, yes, I'm going to go again next week. <laughs> but this is the thing. The harder I work, the more money I have to spend for all these treatments just to feel normal again. You know, December will pass <laughs> and hopefully January won't be as crazy. I feel lucky to be in Aspen. I know that I want more, you know, than this hotel because physically, I just don't know if I can do it constantly. You know, I feel like it would just 
long-term make me sick and achy and and then I'll just be grumpy. And I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be a grumpy chef, you know, or a crazy chef like all the other chefs in the kitchen. One thing I am excited for, though, is that my brother is coming to visit with his girlfriend and, you know, he wants to go skiing. So he's coming for the worst time. He's coming over Christmas when I'll just be at work all day. But hopefully after Christmas, I'll get a couple of days off and then I can go skiing with him. One of the biggest just realizations is that's what's most important, you know? people you care about, your loved ones, your friends, your family. Yes, you have to work and make a living, but at the same time, it's hard, especially over the holidays, you know, when you have to work that hard. But I hope I can get some ski time in and just time with him, and it's nice that he's able to come visit. So on that note, happy belated Christmas because I think this is going to come out after Christmas. And I hope that when you go out, when you went out over the holidays, that you were appreciative of the staff, the servers, the chefs preparing your food, and, you know, maybe tip the kitchen too. Or just only tip the kitchen. (laughs) Because you know they're underpaid. Thank you for listening to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. Until next time, and I will resume with the Peru episodes. <laughs> <laughs>